the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Let Us Reason, a Christian-Muslim dialogue with host Al Fadi. Let Us Reason is a unique show utilizing theology, apologetics, and evangelism to reach Muslims for Christ by comparing and contrasting Christian and Muslim doctrines. And now, your host, Al Fadi. Well, good morning, everyone. I hope you're having a blessed Saturday and a blessed week and... um, We pray that you are enjoying the things that we are putting together for you, whether through our podcast, whether through our Facebook posts, whether through our website by way of videos and any of the resources that we have developed and continually working on developing and adding to uh, the number of resources um, that we want to make available for you. But the best place where you can find all of these is to go to our website, www.sirainternational.com and that's Sira with a C as in Charlie, C-I-R-A international.com and of course Sira always stands for the Center for Islamic Research and Awareness but we shortened it to Sira as an acronym to help people find us uh, quicker and remember the name easier. Last week, and if you're tuning in right now, this is Let Us Reason. I'm your host Al-Fadi. Last week, we talked about an interesting topic has to do with the fact that Muslims are convinced that Muhammad is in the Bible. Yes, you heard me correctly. They believe that the prophet of Islam is found in the Bible, that he was prophesied in Old Testament and New Testament. And last time, I just gave kind of like an overview and I showed why they think the way they think. And I mentioned two Quranic passages, one in chapter 7 of the Quran, verse 157, and the other one is chapter 61, verse 6. And you can always go back to the last show and uh, listen to the entirety, uh, the show in its entirety, and uh, be able to track uh, those points. And last time also I gave a quick example uh, of one of those passages and how you can challenge that uh, example. That's uh, the one that came from Songs of Solomon. Song of Solomon, chapter 5, verse 16. Uh, there is an adjective in there that talks about uh, altogether lovely. The Hebrew word is Muhammadim. Muslims are convinced this is a reference to Muhammad. But you cannot really just use this and uh, uh, torture a language by hearing something that sounds familiar to you in a different language and claim that what this new language is using is exactly the same word that I use. Therefore, they both must mean the same. In this case, the Arabic word for the Prophet of Islam is Muhammad. The Hebrew word is Muhammadim, sound the same, therefore they think it is one and the same. Actually, the Hebrew word is not Muhammadim, it's Muhammadim, ha, Muhammadim, okay? And uh, it's in a plural, and it's an adjective, it's not a noun, it's not describing a person, okay? So uh, that's one way. Uh, another favorite passage that our Muslim friends use is found in Deuteronomy 18. And specifically, it's 1818. I'm going to read it for you. Here's what it says. Moses 
basically um, is reporting what the Lord is saying through him. Okay? And Moses is saying, this is what the Lord is saying, I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their fellow Israelites or from among their brethren. Okay, I'm going to, this is the NIV, I'm going to use the ESV translation and to help you see why a Muslim is convinced that the word brethren here is significant. So, once again, Moses is reporting what the Lord is speaking through his mouth, is saying, God is speaking now, saying, I will raise up for them a prophet like you, Moses, like you, from among their brothers. Notice the word is brothers here, okay? The NIV captured it correctly when it says from among the, their Israelites, okay? Because the brothers here, there is, there is significance here in the use of that word, okay? So let's read it again. I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their brothers, and I will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak to them all that I command him, okay? Verse 19. And whoever will not listen to my words, that he shall speak in my name, I myself will require it of him. So a Muslim will say, hey, look what's going on here. Muhammad is like Moses. Moses was a lawgiver. Muhammad is a lawgiver. Moses had to escape from his own family. Muhammad had to escape from his own family. Moses has more than one wife. Muhammad has more than one wife. Okay? Moses lived in the wilderness. Muhammad lived in the wilderness. Okay? And the list can go on and on and on. And also, Moses basically received the word of God and he was speaking the word of God. Muhammad received the word of God and he was speaking the word of God. I mean, all these kind of comparisons, you can always, by the way, Google, just Google Muhammad in the Bible and you'll see Deuteronomy 18.18 always at the top of that list. And you can go to uh, a reputable website called answering-islam.org and you'll see the refutation, how you can refute any of these arguments, not just Deuteronomy 18, but any of the other passages that Muslims use from the Old Testament and New Testament, claiming that it is talking about the prophet of Islam. So let us examine this a little bit more. Okay, This idea that Deuteronomy 18 is actually a reference to Muhammad, okay? So, once again, uh, the idea is this, that uh, this is a prophecy, Deuteronomy 18.18, a prophecy about Muhammad, and only Muhammad can fulfill it. Why? Because he's like Moses, was a lawgiver, he was a prophet, a military leader, and the list can go on and on and on, okay? This prophecy also uh, was to come, according to what I just read to you, from the brethren of the Israelites. Who are these brethren? Well, it's the Ishmaelites. Remember, Muhammad came from Ishmael. The Israelite people came from Isaac. These are the brethren that a Muslim will tell you. It's the two brothers, Isaac and Ishmael. Okay? So, they would take that this way. All right? And therefore, it's no problem then that Moses was speaking to the Israelites because he was prophesying about another guy, another prophet, this time from the brothers of the Israelites, and that's Ishmael. Okay? So, these facts that I just shared with you, along with other similarities between Muhammad and Moses that usually are utilized, therefore, according to Islam, support the identification 
of the Prophet of Islam, Muhammad, to be the one who fulfilled this particular prophecy. Okay? Um, here's the problem with this. Remember, Scripture cannot be broken. Scripture or verses, uh, basically interpret verses or passages, interpret passages of the Bible, interpret the Bible. And also, you cannot take things out of context. Okay, You cannot take things completely out of context. If you are going to use one verse from Deuteronomy 18, then you must look at the entirety of Deuteronomy 18, at least, to say the least, okay? At least look at that to begin to understand what is exactly happening here, okay? So let's, let's look at some examination, uh, or examine, as you say, look at some points in here. First, the passage says, that God will raise up a prophet like Moses in here, okay? Why? Why? Because if you read verse 15, you'll understand what's going on, okay? Here is what verse 15 in Deuteronomy 18 says. The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me. Obviously, Moses is the one who's speaking now, okay? The Lord, Yahweh, your God, Israelites, will raise up for you a prophet like me, Moses, from among you, Israelites, right? From your brothers, the brothers who are the tribes of Israel, the sons of Isaac, okay? It is to him you shall listen. Why? Why shall you listen to him? Why is he the one that you have to listen to him? Why? Just as you desired of the Lord your God, at Horeb, Mount Horeb, known as Mount Sinai, okay? At Horeb, on the day of the assembly, when you said, Let me not hear again the voice of the Lord my God or see this great fire anymore, lest I die. You remember what happened? Just go to Exodus 19. Go to Exodus 19 and read the entire chapter, and you'll see what's going on in there. God basically told Moses, I want the people, okay, to sanctify themselves for three days and then come and stand by the mountain, not to touch the mountain. And I will descend upon the mountain and then I will speak to the assembly, okay, the church, basically, the group, the people who are standing, okay? And at the end of that encounter, of course, people were terrified. They saw fire and they saw the mountain shaking and burning and, and they're like, Moses, my friend, we don't want to go with you anymore, okay? Next time, you go and you come back and report to us. We believe you, okay? That's what they said. So Moses is reminding him about what's going on. He says, you know, remember what happened last time? That's why, don't worry, if I go, God is going to raise a prophet for you like me. The like me is important here, okay? Not just any prophet. No, like me, who spoke with God face to face, who performed miracles that are unbelievable, right? And just like I was your mediator between you and God, this prophet also will be a mediator, except this time he is going to be a mediator forever. Verse 17 says, And the Lord said to me, They are right in what they have spoken. I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their brothers, and I will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak to them all that I command him. Okay? So God is saying, 
at some point, there is going to be someone like you who will speak to them my word, right? I will. Notice, I will. Notice all the time God is saying, I will raise up. I will put my word. I command him, right? I myself will require it. I mean, this is God himself giving this authority to this prophet. Of course, later we know that Jesus is God incarnate. He is the word of God that became flesh and so on and so forth. Okay. Only Jesus fulfilled this. And the New Testament tells us that. It's not like me emotionally trying to make an argument. No. Scripture interprets scripture. In the New Testament, we see that the apostles told us that only Jesus is the fulfillment of Jesus is the fulfillment of this particular prophecy. A prophecy. Okay. Next, Moses says that God will raise up a prophet from the midst of thee, or from among you. Okay, from among your brethren. Okay, and since he's talking to Israelites, okay, so God is talking to people of Israel. The last I checked, Muhammad was an Arab. Okay. The last I checked, the biography of Muhammad is talking about an Arab prophet. The last I checked, that Muslims will never agree that Muhammad actually is a Jew. Unless Muslims are willing to say Muhammad is a Jew, then this in and of itself should solve the problem, and we're done here. Because God is speaking to the Israelites. How do we know this? Word study. When we look at the use of the word brethren, in general, it's always use of the 12 tribes of Israel, the 12 sons of Jacob. But really, I don't have to do this word study. Just go to the beginning. Go to the beginning of Deuteronomy, okay? The beginning of Deuteronomy 18. And here it is. Let's read the very first verse. Deuteronomy 18, verse 1. The Levitical priests, all the tribe of Levi shall have no portion or inheritance with Israel. They shall eat the Lord's food offerings as their inheritance. They shall have no inheritance among their brothers. Okay? Who are the Levitical priests? This is the tribe of Levi. Okay? And, of course, they, Jacob has 12 sons. One of them is Levi. Out of the lineage of Levi comes the Levitical priest who serves at the temple. Okay, you have to be from the line of Levi, okay, to be appointed and chosen by God and anointed to be a priest. Okay, that's why when King Uzziah, who was the king of Judah, wanted to be a high priest, they told him, you cannot do this. You're not from the lineage of Levi. You can't just pick and choose to offices. God himself, of course, first of all, has to appoint you. And second of all, you have to fulfill the requirements of the law. That's why he was struck with leprosy, okay, even though he was a king. And in fact, he was a righteous king, but something went cuckoo in his head, and he did what he did, and unfortunately, he was struck with leprosy. You read that, of course, in Isaiah chapter 6, talking about this king, and of course, from there, you can trace him back in uh, the book of Kings, uh, First and Second Kings, and you read about his story. Nevertheless, so we're, the brethren here are the brethren of who? Or the brothers of the Levites. Who are the brothers of Levites? The other 11 tribes, the other sons of Jacob. Okay? Last I checked, Ishmael was, wasn't one of them. Okay? So you cannot really make this claim that we're talking about Ishmael and Isaac. No, we're talking about the other 11 brothers of the Levites. Okay? That's why it is important to look at things 
in their own immediate context. Okay? So that's where we read this. Also, it was used as I mentioned uh, to denote the other Israelites. Uh, look at Deuteronomy. You chose Deuteronomy 18, right? Remember, Deuteronomy wasn't really chapter 1, chapter 2, chapter 3. No, it was a scroll called Deuteronomy. So you choose one verse from there, then the whole scroll now applies, okay? I mean, the numbering, the chapter numbering was done just to make it easier, okay? Deuteronomy 17, verses 14 and 15 reads the following. When you come to the land which the Lord your God will give you and shall possess it and shall dwell in it, and shall say, I will set a king over me, like all the nations that are around me, you shall in no way set him king over you, whom the Lord your God shall choose. Okay? You have to only decide, basically, that's what it's saying, to choose one that God will choose. You, you don't have the right to choose him. You, you don't have the right to anoint him. God will anoint that king. Who is this king going to come from? One from among your brethren shall be set a king over you. God is talking about choosing a Jewish king over the Jewish people. And we know that Saul became the first king. And then came David that was anointed by God, chosen by God. Saul was chosen by the people, right? God says, no, it's going to be the one I choose. And therefore, it became the lineage of the, uh, you have the priestly lineage come from Levi and the kingly lineage, royal lineage comes from David. This is why Jesus basically fulfilled all of this by becoming our high priest who offered his sacrifice once and for all. And he comes also from the lineage of David. So therefore he is the king forever who sits on the throne of God. So, as I said, you have to look at the prophecy in its context, okay? So the Jews obviously weren't being commanded to seek an Arab king here in Deuteronomy 17. No, it's talking about a Jewish king that will be chosen by God and appointed as a king above them from among their brethren. And now you go back again to Deuteronomy 18, verses 1 and 2, you'll see that it's talking about the Levites from Israel, and their brethren are the other 11 tribes, Okay, so this is what we are discussing here. Another reason, if we go to the conclusion of the book of Deuteronomy, okay, and before I do this, in Deuteronomy 32, and I believe it's verse 6, it talks about God being called the Father. I thought Muslims do not like to call God the Father. The Quran says that's blasphemy to claim God is a Father. That means he has a physical son, and that means it's blasphemy against God. But Deuteronomy 32, 6 says that God is the Father. So you can't pick and choose. I mean, are you going to accept the whole book of Deuteronomy with all its teaching, or are you going to just cherry-pick whatever you want? It doesn't work that way. But if we go to the conclusion of Deuteronomy, that's Deuteronomy 34, verses 9 to 12, this is what it reads. And Joshua, the son of Nun, was full of the spirit of wisdom, for Moses had laid his hands upon him, and the children of Israel hearkened unto him, and did as the Lord commanded Moses. And there arose, not a prophet, since in Israel, like unto Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face in all the signs and wonders. That's the catch. Joshua was not that prophet like unto Moses, because it says, 
No other prophet ever rose like Moses, who knew God face to face, right? And who performed signs and wonders. And we know later only Jesus, who was in the bosom of the Father, who knew God face to face, who is the Word of God that is speaking to us, where the fullness, the fullness of the deity was pleased to dwell in him, basically. Only Jesus can fulfill this, not to mention the outstanding signs and wonders by raising people from the dead. Even Moses didn't do it, okay? Raising people from the dead, healing leprosy, and so many other things, okay? So this is why it is crucial and it's important uh, to discuss those kind of passages in their immediate context. Now, as I mentioned uh, before, um, we have to really reason from the Scripture, and we have to seek this opportunity when someone wants to use one part of the Bible to prove a point. We have the obligation now to help them see it in its immediate context, and that leads me really to this. If you are willing to use Deuteronomy 18.18, okay, then it should be no problem to continue reading because here is what we read in Deuteronomy 18.20, okay? In Deuteronomy 18.20, it says this, But the prophet who presumes to speak a word in my name that I have not commanded him to speak, or who speaks in the name of other gods, that same prophet shall die. And if you say in your heart, how may we know the word that the Lord has not spoken? When a prophet speaks in the name of the Lord, if the word doesn't come to pass or come true, that is a word that the Lord has not spoken. The prophet has spoken it presumptuously, uh, presumptuously you need not be afraid of him. It's really telling here when you look at this. Here's the conditions. If a person delivers a revelation which does not come from God, that person is a false prophet. And the second condition, if a person speaks in the name of other gods, that person is a false prophet. And here is how you know it, that if he says something and it did not come to pass, then the Lord did not say it. Here's a problem with claiming that Muhammad is that prophet. Even the historical documents of the biography of Muhammad confirms that Muhammad received revelations from Satan, known as the Satanic Verses. Okay? The Satanic Verses. Okay? And Muhammad assumed it to be part of the Quran and later recanted that. Okay, Since these verses did not come from God, then Muhammad met the first criteria, which is a person who delivers a revelation which doesn't come from God. Okay, And since those verses, the satanic verses that were questionable, actually promoted polytheism, that's the reason why Muhammad later recanted it, promoted the worship of idols, now, Muhammad met the second condition, and that's speaking in the name of other gods. Both ver verses are used to test the prophecy of Muhammad against Deuteronomy 18, and Muhammad obviously failed these two tests. So, this is why it's important 
when you look at a passage, you need to look at the full package and the context and help the person who is bringing it up to your attention to see it for themselves. Now, does that mean every person you're going to talk to is going to agree with you? They're going to like what they heard? Uh, some will be convinced that it's still about Muhammad, but that doesn't change the fact that it is not. Truth is truth, and it's not negotiable. And if a person is convinced that it's about Muhammad, that's their prerogative. There is nothing you can do other than praying for that person that their eyes will open up and the scales will fall out of their eye and they will see and they will think and they will understand. Once again, I'm hoping that you have uh, enjoyed this series and uh, that you will visit us on Facebook at alfadi.sira, Sira with a C, as in Charlie, C-I-R-A, and also go to our YouTube channel, uh, which is Sira International, and also our website, www.sirainternational.com. Uh, if you just tuned in, this is Let Us Reason. I'm your host, Al-Fadi. And until we meet again, have a blessed week. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.